Welcome into this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. And folks, we're coming to you during one of the busiest news weeks in golf history. Live Golf is here. 17 players are suspended. More will be soon. The U.S. Open keeps its doors open for now. Phil is back. Tiger is not. Uh, And perhaps the biggest news of all, Rex Hogger chickened out and did not smoke a brisket. What do you mean? We're going to unpack it all with Rex here in just a moment. Rex, you'll have your time. But first, one event that you may not have heard about is last week's Florida Junior Tour 54-hole major at Champions Gate. The event was won by Misha Gola, the Ukrainian teenager, brought to the U.S. a few months ago by the combined efforts of Joel Beal from Golf Digest, our buddy, Jim Nugent of Global Golf Post, David Ledbetter and his academy, and contributions from everyday golfers. Callaway would like to congratulate Misha on his impressive win. A quick look at Misha's bag shows a rogue ST Max driver and matching fairway woods, a set of Apex irons and Jaws wedges, an Odyssey Trihot 5K number two putter, and a Chrome Soft X golf ball. Misha's got an amazing story, and hopefully we'll hear more about him in the future. Many congrats to Misha. And Rex, congrats to you too. Uh, since you're still alive after this week from hell, you're at Memorial. We both survived golf's longest day, you in Ohio, uh, me in Jupiter. And now we're in the midst of golf being split apart at the seams. How you feeling? Uh, tired. I'm not going to lie. Tired. It's been eventful. Um, I am not. Uh, you're wrong. I didn't, I didn't chicken out. I'm going to go straight chicken to out. You're wrong. I, it just wasn't going to happen because of what we knew. Like I was, I have been sitting in this chair since 7 a.m. this morning waiting for this news to drop about the PGA Tour and how they responded to the players who were playing this week in the London Live event. So it's not as though I could have been up at 5 a.m. preparing for what would, would have been a difficult day. I'm not just You could have done an overnight that. smoke if you had a pellet smoker. Uh, I do not have a pellet smoker, uh, so it would have been very labor-intensive, and I probably would not have been my best when I had to go on TV this morning to talk about Live Golf. So I didn't chicken out. Circumstances didn't allow it. I'll get to it. Like, this is just on hold. This is called a tease in the business. We'll get to it. The brisket's coming. Did you get anything for today? I mean, today's a, today's a huge day in golf history. I feel like you should have commemorated it somehow with some sort of barbecue. I got nothing. My son started working yesterday at a new job. It's called I Heart Mac and Cheese. It's here in Longwood, Florida. You guys should check it out. Oh, my, oh my goodness. <laughs> so I'm going to go there for dinner because he, he has me sold on. I guess they have like a brisket. It's just like gourmet mac and cheese, you know, 17 different ways. Pretty much. But they have like a brisket mac and cheese, like cheese, like a, you know, grilled cheese type sandwich. He said that's to die for. So I'm going in. I'm, I'm getting that as soon as we're done with this nonsense. Yeah, like it literally could kill you. It literally could oh, yeah. save your life. Oh, yeah. Which after this morning, the last couple of days, fine. Just take me. Take me. Uh, I wanted to get a pork butt yesterday. The, the prices of meat, Rex, are just outrageous. Um, so I, I just got chicken wings. I feel like that's a that's a suitable lunch. Of course, Cam and I are going to the water park later. Going to tear it up with a couple beers and probably some chicken tendies. Uh, but that's, that's what we've got planned uh, on this Thursday. It certainly was... A busy morning, Rex. Both you and I were tracking down uh, this memo that was sent to PGA Tour membership early Thursday, about a, about a half hour after the first uh, tee balls were struck at the live event outside London. Essentially, here's the headline, folks. PGA Tour is announcing that current and future players in the Live Golf Invitational Series are indefinitely suspended. We do not know how long they will be suspended for. That is why we are calling it indefinite. 
17 players uh, this is going to affect. Obviously, you know some of those who have resigned their PJ Tour membership. That's Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, and others. And even those who have not. Phil Mickelson, who has lifetime status on the PJ Tour after winning 20-plus events across more than 15 seasons, uh, has said that he will not resign his membership, potentially uh, putting him in line uh, to serve as Live Golf's uh, guest spokesperson for their lawsuit. Rex, what is your initial reaction to that news? Uh, the indefinite part of it surprises me a little bit. I understand. It's my understanding. that We hate be- the sliding scale. It, this will be a sliding scale. You knew where I was going with that because it, it can't be a blanket. And you mentioned the 17 names at the bottom of this memo who, you know, they name names, they call people out and included on that is Sergio Garcia and Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson and a list of high profile names. There's a lesser name on there, Andy Ogletree, who, you know, who I know the 2019 us amateur champ, he's playing in this. And the idea that he could be indefinitely suspended for what's going to be just a one-off event. This is where if the tour wants to follow through with this, this is where they're going to run into some landmines because there's simply no way to, keep a player like Andy Ogletree who has no PGA tour status and only has very, very limited corn fairy tour sta- status and had no way to get into this week's events on the corn fairy tour. There is no Monday qualifying and he didn't receive a sponsor exemption. So they're following the, the letter of their regulations, but this is where the legal wranglings going to come into play because you, you simply cannot cast a blanket over all 17 of these players and say, okay, all of you are gone forever. That's never going to float. The lawyers that I have. Spoken Why not? To, it's that, part of the tour. It's part of the tour regulations that you can't compete in a tournament uh, in which you did not receive a conflicting release. You're obviously subject to discipline. Why would, why would that be uh, subject for a lawsuit? Just because it's in the regulations doesn't make it legal. Like you need to make that distinction. It might be in the regulations, but that doesn't. It's a member organization. Can't the members do it? Can't the Again, that doesn't make it. That doesn't make it legal. Just because the members have agreed to, okay, play by these rules, that doesn't mean that suddenly you can throw a restraint of trade on someone, which is what this is going to end up being. And and I'm not in this category because I'm going to be the fool that has to dig through all of these court cases. But I can tell you that in this particular case, and it's why I don't believe that it's going to be a blanket, okay, you're gone forever. They can't do that. There has to be some sort of sliding scale. You hate the sliding scale. I hate the sliding scale. But legally, this is the only option they have. Phil Mickelson is clearly signed on and has moved on. He has no interest in coming back to the PGA Tour. You could say the same thing about Kevin Na, Sergio Garcia. Dustin Johnson. In this particular case, however, Live Golf wants the shade. They want the lawsuit. And so they're going to end up pushing this point until the PGA Tour is going to have to stand up. That being said, every player I talked to this morning, not in London, every player that I talked to in response to the tour memo they all said this is what Monaghan, Jake, the commissioner, had to do. Like, you he have here, to do it. He, he has no choice but to suspend, to suspend these guys indefinitely. If you slap him with a fine, if you say you're done for a month, that, that is no deterrent whatsoever. And you'd have, a, you'd have a flood of guys who leave for the live golf. Again, but I'll go back to it is not going to be a blanket, okay, you're gone forever. That's not going to hold up. They know. like Trust me, they, they're getting the same advice that the live lawyers are telling the players over in London right now that they can't legally get away with telling you you're gone forever. If you go and play in one event, there'll be a suspension and you can sort of take those suspension about what's fair and what's not fair. A lifetime ban is not going to be viewed fair by the U S court system. That's just well, a fact. Well, I don't think anyone's viewing this as a lifetime ban. It's a indefinite suspension. And I think it would be realistic too. If all, if, if many of these players, if not all these players are signing one or two year contracts, why wouldn't the tour suspension uh, kind of extend through the duration of that deal like that to me that makes the most logical sense that's not uh, an outrageous 
uh, an idea. It's not a lifetime ban. It's not too short. It certainly would be a deterrent. They, if they if they clearly do not want players to play on both circuits, both the PJ Tour and Live Golf, you have to suspend them for the duration of the deal they just signed. To me, that's to me that's a no brainer. That makes sense. I, I agree with you. I guess where I had questions coming into today because we were kind of sort of waiting for this memo is how does the tour know who signed what and when? Like the, the tour doesn't know exactly how long Phil Mickelson's contract is with Liv Goff. I don't believe that. Like that, those types of things don't get out. And the crazy number. <laughs> Cause that could be a lifetime deal. Yes. And the crazy numbers that are getting thrown around. I'm dubious of those as well. Although I had one agent tell me that whatever numbers you're hearing are low, which I find that again, impossible. Oh my to believe however I'm, I'm not buying the 125 million dollars for dj or whatever the case may be simply because no one knows and there's no motivation for any of the parties involved to make it exact public exactly how much they're paying that that's not the way business works i i, and I don't believe contracts when we sit and talk when i listen to espn and hear them talking about contracts in the nfl or major league baseball because the source is normally a manager and the manager is always going to inflate high or the source is the team and they're always going to, going to go low. That's the nature of business. So I'm not buying any of this. I think the PGA Tour probably has an idea of who is 100% in and who just wants to dip their toe in the water. And that's why they're going to wait and see exactly on these suspensions. How significant do you think that these player suspensions are? I looked through the list of the 17 players suspended, only six we're currently ranked inside the top 125, which would have either made them eligible for the playoffs, potentially would have lost their card. Taylor Gooch was the only one at number 13 who was inside the top 40. You think about the President's Cup standings. Now the suspended players will not be eligible. Dustin Johnson, of course, has been a stalwart on the U.S. team uh, over the past decade. Louis Oosthuizen was number five on the international rankings. And you're also going to have uh, him, him and his South African brethren uh, who won't be able to compete this year at Quell Hollow. Of those 17 players, I don't think it's, it's a huge loss for the PGA Tour. The biggest loss to me is the player who, uh, if not was announced on Wednesday, it was revealed that he will be joining Live Golf, and that was Bryson DeChambeau. To me, that is a massive blow for the PGA Tour and their product, not just because uh, he's a, a fan favorite and everyone likes to see uh, the freakishly long drives. To me, he's a polarizing player. And that is what the PGA Tour should want to showcase is these players who engender strong feelings, whether you love them or whether you loathe them. And Bryson DeChambeau not being a part of the PGA Tour, to me, is a massive blow. I agree with that. Because, look, up until this point, and even Bryson to a certain degree, so this is kind of two comments that I'm, or two observations that I'm making. It, it seemed like the alarm bells went off yesterday when the Bryson, and, and alongside Patrick Reed, who hasn't commented one way or the other on this, but when that news broke that they were going to live golf, it seems like everyone, you know, headed for the exits at that point because it seemed like that that was a tipping point. I would argue that we have heard those two names all along. We have heard the name of DJ. We have heard Phil's name. We have heard the vast majority, almost all of these names all along. And there's others that we also hear. Ricky Fowler's name keeps coming up and up and up. And you spoke to him on Monday. And according to what he told you, is my understanding that he's still making a decision, correct? Mike? Yes, he's, he, he remains uh, very intrigued and interested uh, in, in live golf. And he said the relationship with the PJ tour could be potentially fractured beyond repair. Uh, and I can imagine that. And that seems to me he's leaning in that direction. So all of these names that we've heard and you and I have heard the same names and everyone else has as well, as long as they keep popping up and they're going to keep popping up because rookie's name is going to pop up eventually. I truly believe that it's just 
this is the slow drip that Live Golf wants. They want this. They want the this new. This is intentional. Cycle. This Absolutely. is intentional. They don't this want is, a twenty-five player dump. They want to string it along. And that's that makes perfect PR sense for them. Look, I, I've been very, very critical of Live Golf on a lot of the PR stuff they do. I get this. This one makes sense because they're just going to cut you with a thousand. You know, they're, they're going to destroy you with a, cu- a thousand cuts. The second I hear a name that hasn't popped up, and I'm just going to throw a, a name out there, and it's a, I have no reason to think that I have not heard his name at all. Associated Ooh, wildly with speculating. No, not even speculating. Which if page in the manual is this going to be? If, if there is a if there is a Justin Thomas and he has not been connected no. at all to Live Golf, <laughs> yeah. all right. Yeah, so yeah. if there is a or even a Roy McIlroy or a John Rahm or any of these players come cropping up and suddenly they make the jump, that's when I'm going to panic because up until this point, it's been pretty clear who's on each side of the ledger, and they're going to keep doing this one drip at a time. I completely understand that. Now that being said, you're absolutely right. Bryson DeChambeau is by far the biggest shoe to drop for the reasons you just pointed out. He is popular. He is the guy that they're going to look at and say, oh, he's going to be missed because he was a fan favorite. And I've said this before on this podcast. He was a fan favorite when at Tiger at his peak, people want people flocked to watch Tiger Woods because he did things on the golf course that were special. Dominance. Can do. Yeah. That's right. People flocked to the golf course to see Bryson because he's the bearded lady. And I'm not even trying to be mean about that or flippant. He is a, he is a circuit show. And to a very good circus show for the PGA Tour. Now he is taking that show to live golf. That certainly is a point of concern for the for the PGA Tour. Yeah, I think you make a, a couple of really good points there. Just a peek behind the curtain. This was what's supposed to happen, Rex, in February before Phil Mickelson blew it up. He, blew, he when he disparaged both the PGA Tour uh, and the entire Saudi regime. This is this is what we were expecting. These are the names that we were expecting were going to come out, and I'm sure there's going to be uh, several more over these next couple of days who clearly have, are seeing this PJ tour suspension and the specter of that and clearly scoffing at it and going and taking the money and playing in what is essentially a glorified exhibition over 54 holes. How do you think the PJ tour will view Bryson's defection? He is not just polarizing for fans. Uh, he is certainly a, a difficult customer when it comes uh, to the PJ tour as well. Is it one of those instances too, that it's addition by subtraction or is it, you know, they're looking at their product and you look at the, I, I'm looking at the PIP standings, right? From 2021, three, three of, of those the top, top seven, right? Three of the top seven are gone. That is the PJ tours measure of needle movers. So when it comes to Bryson or Phil or any of these other guys that uh, potentially cause headaches uh, at, at, in Ponte Vedra, it seems like the tour just holds their nose and puts up with these guys, but they are massive losses in it when it comes to fan popularity fan interest entertainment value when it comes to the pga tour product it is not addition by subtraction i'm not going to buy into that and i i will i will fall back again on the idea that i don't know that we're hitting panic buttons in Ponte Vedra beach yet however there is no way they can look at this as a positive at all to your point right of those three which it's a really good stat because this is the tour's own metrics they came up with this they're this the is- needle movers these, these are, are the ones they felt the like most interest. These are the ones they felt like needed to be rewarded with that whatever $50 million pot or however much it was. Here's the problem with that list. One, one was a 51-year-old Phil Mickelson who caught lightning in a bottle at the PGA Championship. And I would argue that was very much a one-off. That Phil was a not fluke. it was a yeah, fluke. He was not going to camp out in that on that PIP list for the for, foreseeable future. He simply was not going to be competitive enough going forward. I truly believe that. The other one was Dustin Johnson who we can sit and argue 
has not played well recently, and he certainly does not move the needle because of his personality. That I heard him talk more this or week. Or his social media presence where he just says he's excited to be out there and he's excited to play and he's excited <laughs> he's excited and he's really excited. <laughs> Everything's exciting. Uh I think I read on, and this is so me, but I, I saw a tweet. And I thought it was the tour is going to miss his wife more than they miss him. Let's be honest. Like, come on. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, and, that, that is, that's the only reason why he popped up on those standings. Absolutely. And so of those three, there was one of them that's going to cut deep and there's one of them that's going to leave a mark. And that's Bryson because the other two either didn't deserve to be on that list. Sorry, Dustin, you had no business being on that list for any other reason other than your wife and, and Phil who is aged out. But if you like it or not, he's aged out. You could be a Phil fan. You could love him for everything he's worth, but he's done. Bryson is the issue because Bryson was, again, he's the one that was pulling people out to the golf course. He's the one that people were emulating. He's the one people were buying hats because, oh, Bryson wears this. It must be cool. All of the theatrics, all of the outside noise, all of the nonsense he had created, he had become a show. And now the tour doesn't have access to that show. That's a problem. Uh, that is a problem. Phil Mickelson, uh, you brought him up. He is listed first, Rex, on the U.S. Open pre-tournament press conference schedule for 1 p.m. <laughs> Monday. I'm, I'm, in, in one sense, I'm, I'm shocked. I would have thought uh, the USJ would not want to put him uh, on stage and potentially disparage uh, the organization. In another respect, they may just want to kind of like with Seth Waugh, uh, at the PGA championship, kind of address the elephant in the room, move on and try to have a championship. I can see uh, both schools of thought uh, with that decision. Rex, what did you make? Uh, I want to circle back on something. What did you make of the PGA tour statement today from commissioner Jay Monahan? There was a lot of talk about money. There's a lot of talk about leverage. There's a lot of talk about legacy. Legacy there wasn't a whole lot of substance when it comes to what is the PJ tour going to do differently in the future to satiate the membership and in particular, the superstars. Uh, there was no substance to that. What do you mean? Not a lot. There was none. We're not talking about blowing up the model. And like you and I probably should have been recording. But isn't that a problem? Isn't we that should a have been recording our conversation yesterday. Cause you went on your high horse for a good 15, 20 minutes on this. Of course. And I'm going to leave the floor to you because I don't know. I don't disagree with what you're getting at here. And Where's the strategy? There, this there, is is, a, there is no strategy. Their strategy is legacy. Well, legacy, legacy. applies to, to essentially five to ten players on the PGA Tour. The rest is, is, is playing golf for money. But those, those, those elite, those precious five to ten players are already fabulously wealthy. And so they're playing against history. They're playing for records. They're playing to see how they stack up against Jack and Tiger and Phil and all of the greats of the game for them. Yes. Legacy matters for 90 to 95% of the PJ tour membership. They're not in it for legacy. They're not in it for, for leverage. They're in it to play golf against the best players in the world on great golf courses for a lot of money. There's a big problem here and that they don't have a strategy. I'm not sure whether it's arrogance. I'm not sure whether it's greed. I'm not sure whether it's negligence. They've got to do something. And so I was hoping in this statement to see commissioner Jay Monahan propose something, release those details of the fall schedule, say what you're going to do differently in the future. Cause you can't bank on legacy for a membership where 99 90 to 95% of them don't care about it. They don't care about it at all. That was such a savvy move by you asking a question that you were the one that wanted to answer. And, another thing. and one more thing, keep going. Like I know where you're going with this, like keep going. 
I don't disagree with you. I mean, and if I wasn't so terrified that I, there's going to be more news and something else is going to happen, I'll have to go on camera again this afternoon. We could do the, the best drinking game ever and just read this memo and have to take a drink every time he drops legacy. Or money. Or money. Like what, or or money, 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 money. Yeah, money. he did it like, three times. You're saying it's all financially motivated. Well, there's a reason why, why your membership is financially motivated. The middle class, the lower to middle class is the PJ Tour, and probably even the, the mid to upper class of the PJ Tour is motivated by money. So you better satiate them and keep them satisfied or they're going to bolt too. I, I don't disagree with you. And, and we've had this conversation before, and I'm sure we're going to continue to have it. This is going, I, I truly believe this is going to force the tour into fundamental changes. I, as dramatic and as wide sweeping as you seem to want to suggest, probably not in the short term, simply because there are some hurdles that they need to get by. It's a membership organization. And first and foremost, they're going to have to tear down that concept where the idea that 126 on the FedEx Cup points list is just as important as number one, that's going to have to change. I don't disagree with you there. I think that change comes slowly, if at all, because there is going to be pushback because there's a whole lot of, there's a lot more 126s than there are number ones in the world of professional golf right now. Right. And, and, so, and so shouldn't Monaghan and company been planning for this? What have they been doing the past couple of months that this was, potentially catching them off guard that guys aren't scared by these lifetime bans, that guys aren't necessarily playing for, for the leverage. It, it, to me, this, this should have been an announcement of, of what we're going to do in the future. Cause I, I'm with you. I think, I think there needs to be radical changes to the PJ tour model, but if that doesn't come soon, Rex, if that Not doesn't with me, come, that's your idea. Don't throw me under your nonsense. You this just is- said you wanted to see the model. No, I said the motto is going to change. I didn't say I right. wanted to say it. I said, I mean, this is this yeah. is what happens it's in business happening. when there's a fundamental threat. You have to Correct. adjust. Yes, but it has to happen soon. This this can't happen in two years. This can't. There can't be promises of of alterations by 2025. You have you have PJ Tour players, prominent PJ Tour players, bolting for a rival league, getting suspended indefinitely. We don't know when or if they'll be allowed back on the PGA Tour. This needs to be unveiled in short order. In a matter of months, you, you can't you can't wait until next year to unveil this. You have to show the membership that you're serious and that there's going to be fundamental changes to keep them happy. Uh, that's not fair. Because you're how is that you're, not fair? Because you're stating this as if they aren't moving internally to try to come up with some sort of response. It may not be as drastic or as wide again widespread as you seem to want it to be. But I know that in those PAC meetings the last year. Let's say there have been a lot of discussions about how do we change this up? How do we move the model? How do we make sure the top players are rewarded in such a way that they don't get their heads turned when a tour like live golf comes along? Now, I don't think you can't, you can't compete with live money. Uh, So that's, you're not going to do that. I I will say this. And I was talking with a a player about this yesterday. who was on much more of a high horse than you even were. So it it was an exhausting exhausting day on the phone, man. I mean, people, they had, everyone has a take. And they they want to be heard. Everybody's got to take. Everyone's got a podcast now too. I know. Here's the thing that in, in pointed out correctly that it is time for the tour to move on from where we are. Forget about 48 events. It's time to have 20, 25 really, really good events with 20 or $25 million purses. And then you can bump the players up to 35 or 40 million. And you essentially have a tour that you have the top 70 or 75 or whatever the case may be. And that's it. 
and you have sudden now all of a sudden you don't have live golf money and the tour does not have live golf money, but you have enough money where there suddenly is an understanding that, Oh, like I am going to get paid. And there is something close to what you're seeing in other sports. There, there's still not technically guaranteed payouts, which is where we're heading. But if there's 75 man fields, there's no cut. Technically that is guaranteed money, but, and it's still based on how you perform. You're not completely shying away from what the formula is right now. I, I truly believe that they may get there, but what you're suggesting, I don't know if that ever happens. You don't even know what I'm suggesting. I'm essentially um, suggesting what, what you are suggesting, which is okay. a, a, a limited schedule. We're not going to go through the PJ tour schedule and, and, and tell you which tournaments that we tell think me what 15 you want. No, no, no. Let's, let's go event by event. Okay. Start, start no, in January. No, Sony open. No, we have, we have sources. We have friends at those tournaments. We're not going to go through and say which, which fat deserves to be trimmed. However, I think there is Rex, uh, an enduring Howard. appeal to have 20 events in the PJ tour schedule. Plus, uh, the, the four majors, of course, with, with huge purses. And this may be unpopular with, um, uh, PGA Tour players, but I, but I think the membership should be trimmed. 125 players on the PGA Tour is too many. I'd love to see that number somewhere around 75. Uh, 100 is probably too many. 75 may, you know, that may turn some folks off by saying it's a little bit too exclusive. This is the best tour in the world. Uh, to me, uh, more exclusive, the better. That is what I would like to see. I'd like to see some sign of defa- some sort of defined offseason uh, in the fall when you don't have to compete against football. Uh, in, in events that don't engender uh, much interest or enthusiasm. I don't think that that is unrealistic. I don't think it is uh, a pipe dream. That's a direction I'd like to see them go. And, and quite frankly, uh, the, the tour needs to announce some sort of seismic changes here in the next couple of months, or they risk even more players uh, jumping ship. Uh, I don't know if that's true, because, again, I'll go back to what I, I just said. It, the, the names you have gone, even the Bryson DeChambeau name, which is the big one that slaps you in the face, w- we have seen this coming. Th- this has not been a secret. We, his name has been linked to Live Golf since pretty much the beginning of this. This does not reach a point where I think they need to panic and blow up the model and start over until they get, and I'm sorry to keep doing this to you, JT. I know you're not going to play, going to go play live golf. Please, no one aggregate this and turn it into some sort of lame report until a JT type player who has not been linked to this makes that jump. And I don't see that happening. I think what we have right now is there's very clear lines between those who will and those who will not. I mean, none, I none, see, of, none of the top 14 players in the world ranking have committed to this. And, and I don't see their minds being changed. Not anytime soon, at least. Now, let this play out over two years, and you know, maybe the JTs and the Rory's of the world will start getting their heads turned, looking at, you know, whoever winning so much money on this tour, it just starts making, it doesn't make sense to them anymore. That being said, the tour's already let go of who they've let go. Live Golf only has 48-man fields, so it's not as though they're going to come calling week in and week out trying to fill that field as it stands now. And what we're hearing that field is actually going to have to get trimmed a little bit because you're going to end up with more players from what I've been told after the U S open that are going to commit to live golf. And that's just going to sort of, I don't know how you would say this. It's going to squeeze everyone else out. Well, so, yeah, the Turk, the Turk Pettics and the Andy Ogletrees of the world are going to have to be relegated to some sort of Asian tour yes. feeder system. And so where this lands right now, 
is pretty much what you, what we see. So the product that you watch this morning, like it or don't like it, I, I'm not getting into that. I don't pretend, I, like we work for a TV network, so I don't think it's really cool to judge uh, the broadcast. The product they have right now is probably the product for the foreseeable future. That in itself is not enough to get the tour to blow up the model that you're suggesting right now. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I'm saying where we are right now, it probably doesn't happen. But for blowing up the model, and do you mind silencing that email notification? It's very loud. It's very distracting. I, I know I know we're going to hear it from the listeners to this. I forget what the exact number was uh, in February, and this thing seemed to be reaching a boiling point. It was somewhere around the top. It was, it was, I think it was somewhere around 20 of the top 50 or 15 of the top uh, 50 players were uh, poised to make the leap uh, to live golf. That is essentially forcing the PGA Tour to rebuild it's mid to upper class. That's that's forcing the, the Cameron Youngs and the Davis Rileys of the world to take that next step in their career and become bona fide stars. Because you know, you know, like it or not, losing you know the 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 Finaus and the Brysons and the the Paul Caseys and Finau. the Harold Varner the Thirds and the Bubba's are you throwing like, Finau out there? The Adam Scotts. Those those players. Those those players comprise the tour middle class. Like the, that's an important part of the tour structure. They're not stars. Uh, they're not uh, they're not unheralded players either. They they make up, I would say, the heft of the PJ Tour. And if those players start bolting for this upstart league, it puts a burden on some of these younger players uh, to to fill that void. I'm not sure whether they're capable, whether they're willing, whether they're ready uh, to fill that void. But that is the case. I think I think it's indisputable, Rex, that golf is not popular enough among mainstream golf fans to support two circuits. And so in the short term and potentially in the long term, PJ tour suffers because uh, it had the depth of field. And I think the live golf product uh, can never reach the potential that it wants to either uh, because it doesn't have the, the ROMs, the Cantlays, the Morikawa, the JTs of the Spice uh, that say that they so desperately desire. Uh, I'll, I'll take exception to two of those things that you said. And, and as Please. far as, and as far as where we are as a stalemate, I do believe that's true. And this goes to what I explained or what I sort of outlined last week on the podcast where, look, they're going, Live Golf is going after the margins, right? And so they've already got those margins of those 40 to 50-year-old players who are past their prime and have decided to cash in. I think by and large, what we've seen this week, and this is a bit of an aside, those who just owned it, those who just said, yes, I'm here for the money and didn't try to talk around it and use all But the no one really money, said that. No one uh, said that. I think GMAC to a certain degree just tried to own it. GMAC's I mean, the one who embarrassed himself, unfortunately. And look, you and I both love GMAC. You've covered yeah. him for a long time. He's he's absolutely a, a, a favorite among journalists. He embarrassed himself by basically saying the very definition of sports washing and then saying that he was happy to to that he and his uh, fellow players could help them along on that journey to complete the sports washing. Like, come on. That was that was bad. You can't – I don't understand why they, they, they stuck to those talking points because those made no sense. No one is buying those things. If you just own it and you say, yes, I'm Graham McDowell. Richard Bland. Richard Bland. Richard just, Bland did, and I yes, appreciate it. copy that. and paste that and say yes. it ad nauseum. And I will tell you that the response on social media after Richard Bland did that was surprisingly much more kind than what the Graham McDowells and the Ian Poulters and the Phil Mickelsons are facing right now. Because no one wants to hear about millionaires going after more million dollars and pretending like we're doing it for the good of the game or the good of Saudi Arabia or the good of anything else. You're doing it for the good of Phil Mickelson. Let, yes, let's yes. don't hide behind that. However, go back to my point, 
This is about being in the margin. So they they went after those 40 to 50 somethings, and that's one part of the margin. The other part is they're, they're going to feed on the PGA Tour's young. And that will be a continuing, evolving door. And that's where the tour probably needs to be more concerned now than losing another 40-something-year-old who's going to go over there. Let's say that Pat Perez wants to make that jump. I love Pat Perez. I have my entire career because no one talks better and more honestly on the PGA Tour than Pat Perez. However, if he goes, the tour is going to be like, no, okay, we saw that kind. We kind of saw that coming. Let's turn the page and keep going. Where they need to be concerned is if these young players, the guys you had last week at the NCAA, I think you're at the NCAAs. I muted you on Twitter. I assume that's where you were. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's where you were. Right? Yeah, I was. I, I was. I was there. Yeah, the, the Cole Hammers, the Pearson Cooties, the yes, the, uh, David Pooges of the world. I mean, I would even throw a guys who are a couple years older than that, the Cameron Youngs, the Will Zalatoris, the Davis Rileys of the world, yeah. guys who who look like they can they can do it for a long period of time on the PGA Tour. I'd be particularly concerned about where their heads are currently. Yes. Going forward, but the other part that I wanted to kind of point out, I don't think there's any problem the tour finding young players. You, you just mentioned Davis Riley. Like he's a very outspoken. I mean, not outspoken, but I, Definitely I not love, outspoken. he's not outspoken, but I loved interviewing him at Colonial. I loved interviewing him last week simply because he's so refreshing and he's playing so well and he just sort of embraced it. I think a pre- player like him would gladly slide into that middle class or above. If we're going to lose Louis Oosthuizen's or the Ian Poulter's or the Graham McDowell's, I don't think like that, that void will get filled. I, I don't think that that void, there's a problem at all filling that void. The problem's going to be is they're going to continue to go after those young players to the point that the tour is going, that's going to dry up eventually for the tour. If we, we keep heading in this direction. Oh, I, I completely agree with you. I think, and you and I even talked about this on the podcast, the smartest thing that Live Golf has done to this point was target some of those amateurs. David Pooch, who's a rising senior at Arizona State, world number nine uh, in, the, in the amateur rankings, like giving him uh, invitations uh, to these tournaments is an absolute no-brainer. There is no shortage of, of 25 and under uh, up-and-coming talents, uh, either on the PGA Tour or on the Corn Ferry Tour, just Davis. I mean, Davis, uh, Davis Thompson. Just a, just last week, uh, former Georgia star, uh, won his first Corn Ferry Tour event. We're all in all likelihood, we'll see him on the PGA Tour this fall. There's plenty of guys who can fill that void. Uh, and so, if I'm Monahan, uh, that is certainly something that I'd want to address. Rex, two issues I would think moving forward uh, that are I would call them outstanding issues. One is what are the major championships do? The USGA just a couple of days ago ruled that players uh, in the Live Golf Invitational Series would still be allowed to play in next week's U.S. Open at the Country Club. That was no surprise at all. It's too quick of a turnaround from the first tee shot being struck in London uh, to the first tee shot being struck at Brookline. uh, I would say TBD is what Augusta National rules, what the PGA uh, of America rules for the PJ championship. I think we know which way certainly uh, Seth Waugh is leaning and certainly Martin slumbers uh, of the RNA, which oversees the open championship. You would think they would fall in line with kind of what Mike, uh, Mike, Mike Juan of the USJ ruled this week, which does not change their qualifying criteria for this year for 2022 and future years. As Juan said, uh, that is certainly uh, up for discussion on whether they could potentially rule out, these live players. What'd you make of the USGA decision? And what do you think of the momentous decision? Not on, not on 13 at Augusta Rex. I'm talking, what about the momentous decision that uh, Fred Ridley and company need to make now? 
they are they're the outliers in this. And I think because it's an invitational and because it's the Custom National, it's a private club, they're going to do whatever it is they want to do. And in this particular case, I think it's clear that Augusta plans on standing with the PGA Tour. My guess is Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson and the rest of the defending champions understand that, okay, like we're probably going to have to give this up. Where it gets interesting, and, and you're right, I don't think the U.S. Open and the USGA had the runway to pull this off this time around. And I don't think they have the heart to do this next year. Because when you t- that you asked me about Augusta National, and I think that Augusta can do whatever Augusta wants to do. We can all be in agreement on that. When it comes to the USGA and the RNA, these are open championships. And you and I on Monday spent all day long covering one of those qualifiers. And I don't know how. I mean, this goes back to the legal mumbo jumbo that we're going to get caught up in. Because I don't know how these organizations keep a player out of qualifying. Now, you can tell Phil Mickelson, okay, your exemption through whatever category you would have been exempt in has now been removed because you're no longer a tour member, which is, I think, the way the PG of America is going to handle this because the PG of America has clung to the idea well, that Phil's, Phil's going to be exempt for the next five years through his uh, victory at Kiowa. So that, that Phil's, Phil's in all likelihood going to be playing in majors for at least the next five years, if not longer for some of these other majors. And, and I will say this, like I reached out to the PG of America this morning because we start getting to the memo from Monaghan this morning to the players went out of its way to point out that this also applies to the president's cup. And there's a handful of players on that list who it's going to impact. My mind immediately went to next year's Ryder cup. And so the response was, as stated previously, the PGA of America remains committed to the requirement that to be eligible to compete on a U.S. Ryder cup team, a player must be a member of the PGA of America in good standing beyond that uh, foundational principle. It would be inappropriate and premature for us to speculate on what may or may not happen 15 months from now. They're not going to maintain that PGA tour, that PGA of America membership. If you lose your tour membership, which is what's happened or is going to happen, the PGA of America is going to follow suit. So the PGA championship and the Masters, I can see going down that road. They will not be able to play in them. The other two, but the Masters loves the Masters loves their past champions, and all of a sudden you're going to tell me that like six or seven of the past winners over the past 15 years are no longer going to be eligible. No DJ, no Reed, no Sergio. No, potentially uh, Adam Scott, Charles Schwartzel, Phil, all those guys are not going to be allowed to tee it up at Augusta National. That's like a tenth of the field. I think the problem is, to your point, the Masters likes controlling the narrative when we're at the Masters. And that's a narrative. Hey, Tito. That's, Tito. That's, yeah, he, he got excited. That's a, a narrative they're not going to be able to control if all we're going to do is want to talk about and write about the previous champions that aren't there. Uh, I don't disagree with that. And then, look, look I, I think if, if you're Jay Monahan, you are leaning hard on these majors to show some sort of unified front uh, against what is an existential threat to the current ecosystem in golf. It is ecosystem. It is not ecosystem, regardless of what uh, some uh, leaders in golf have told you over these past couple of weeks. It is ecosystem. Uh, but I digress. If you're Monahan, you're leaning hard uh, on those leaders of those uh, organizations. However, these, these, uh, these leaders, Fred Ridley, Mike Wan, Martin Slumbers, Seth Waugh, it is their imperative to put on the very best championship that you can, regardless of what that current ecosystem is. Leaving out the Phil Mickelsons, the Dustin Johnsons, uh, if there's more players who were coming down the line, whether it's a, a fan favorite like Ricky Fowler or, or a headliner like Bryce Neshamba, leaving out those players from your major championship field 
does nothing but diminish the quality of your championship. That is their main imperative. That's their, that is their only priority is putting on the very best championship they can and ruling out either past champions at Augusta national closing the door. Uh, if you're the PGA, which welcomes the top 100 in the world or uh, the opens, which are either the top 60 or top 50, depending uh, on the championship. Uh, to me, that's just depriving those majors of, of star power when quite frankly, it's not their, it's not their fight to not their fight to wage. And I think that's the view they're going to have to take. I mean, the other half of that, of course, is they're open championships. Like, I don't know how they can possibly structure and to write around this that, okay, you can qualify because, of course, we're an open championship. And since the beginning of golf time, we've allowed this to happen. But we're not going to allow this to happen if you play the Live Golf Tour. That's not going to hold up. That's not going to hold up in the court of law. That's not going to hold up in whatever meeting room at the USG and the RNA. They're going to sit down and realize that, yeah, this doesn't fundamentally – well, sense. I think they they can they can close they can close a live door they can close an Asian tour door. There's nothing that's that can forbid them from going through open qualifying. Uh, exactly, exactly. Which is fine. So, which is fine. If you if you make all those guys, hey, you want to play in this championship, you got to go through local, yeah. sectional, and final qualifying. And I'll they can take their exemptions away from them, and I would fully expect them to do that. But if you're Phil Mickelson or you or Dustin Johnson. And you really have a hankering to play in the U.S. Open, then you're going to show up at the 36-hole Monday qualifying event in Columbus, Ohio, and you're going to take your chances with everyone else. I, I don't think that ever goes away. It can't go away. So that's one big issue. I think the other outstanding issue, Rex, is what happens with the official World Golf ranking. Live Golf is a 54-hole, no-cut event featuring just 48 players. There are zero world ranking points up for grabs this week, uh, but Bunkered, Bunkered.com. Uh, is reporting that next week, uh, Live Golf officials will submit an application to the official World Golf Ranking uh, to be recognized. If approved, I think that's a big if, it would make them eligible for World Ranking points and probably open the door uh, for entry into these other major championships. Now, interestingly, Rex, the board of the official World Golf Ranking, the Hmm. people that will be voting on Live Golf status Includes Augusta National, the DP World Tour, the RNA, PGA of America, the USGA, and oh yeah, Tyler the PGA Dent. Tour. Tyler the Dent. PGA Tour will vote on the status and the worthiness of Live Golf as a uh, as a tour that should be recognized by the official World Golf Ranking. How do you if think that's going to shake out? How do you think that's going to shake out? If somehow Live Golf is approved for World Ranking points. To me, that is the biggest blow that the PJ Tour could sustain because they're essentially uh-huh. saying that this is that this is a viable entity. But you're shaking your head. You're not even putting up your sausage finger. You're just you're just disappointingly shaking your head. I'm not even playing this game with you. Of course not. You you read that on purpose. You read who's going. Yes, to of course play. I read it on purpose. This is a podcast. So, so tell me who in that room is going to just hold their hand up and just add, out of curiosity. Hey, I'm just devil's advocate here. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you who. It's it's <laughs> it's the organization I, organization I forgot, which is the International Federation of PGA Tours, which is made up of smaller tours such as drumroll please asian tour the asian tour yes, yes. which is that's, which is in bed okay. which is a partner of live golf that's fine like they, they can hold their hand up and it's just devil's advocate here Let, let's just work our way into this let's workshop this for a minute and yeah, that's not gonna that, that conversation is not going to last long if it if it happens at all i think there's probably just going to be an understanding this is not going to happen however you did touch on the most important aspect of this is they can surely decide not to give world ranking points to live golf and that's that's the way it's going to play out 
Asian tour events already get world ranking points. And by buying into that tour, essentially buying that tour, Live Golf has bought themselves some sort of legitimacy, some amount of legitimacy when it comes to the world golf ranking, because they can always attach whatever events they want. The Saudi International was a Asian tour event this year. All of those players that are playing this week in London, you would assume they're also going to hop into that Saudi International every year. So it won't be an easy path back up into the world ranking for these players, but there will be a path. Cause right now there is no, under the current structure of live golf, like it, it cannot be, it, it, it cannot receive world ranking points. It's just 48 players. It's just 54 whole events. Uh, the official world golf ranking does not recognize 54 whole events. And, and look, you may say, Hey, they bump it to 72 and you add a couple more players. It's essentially a WGC, which is uh, long given away uh, world ranking points uh, on the PJ tour. Live golf is literally, that is the Roman numeral 54. Live is 54 in Roman numerals. It is the very being, it is the very essence of this tour is to be 54 holes. If all of a sudden it has to convert into, uh, in, into something different, whether it's 75 players, whether it's 72 holes, uh, that's basically shattering the essence of what uh, this, these exhibitions uh, were supposed to be. You have to admit though, Rex, if somehow by the grace of God, they do receive world ranking points. If this somehow does get recognized either on the Asian tour umbrella or something, that is an enormous threat to the PGA uh, tour. Just, uh, this one's not, I'm not even going down this. One. Is this, this on page happen. 17 of the manual? Yes. It's not happening. This, this isn't going to, to happen. Like just move on. Like we can be so done. If, with okay. Them. Okay. So if, so if that's the case, if these players are never going to see, receive world ranking points again, for, no, no, you didn't listen to what I said. They were not going to receive them for the live golf events, but they okay. will have the Asian tour events that they can receive world ranking points. Like, okay. So when this tournament gobbles up 14 or the schedule all gobbles up 14 events, now they're going to have to go play four or five events on the Asian tour schedule and in, in Singapore or Bangkok or, or wherever else they're going to have to uh, play these tournaments. And all of a sudden they're missing the balance and the time off that they so desperately wanted, which was their main selling point. Uh, with live golf to begin with were they not there is an element of that absolutely and you would also think that these these asian tour events would not come with deep fields so probably playing four or five wouldn't suffice either even if you won all four or five of those that's probably not going to be good enough to put you where you want or need to be so you're really going to have to play 25 events say if you if you really want to play in the u.s open you're you're going to have to play in a whole lot more uh tournaments than you initially signed up or go qualify or go, or go qualify. Go qualify. You and I spend all day Monday at our respective sites, you and Jupiter, me in Springfield, Ohio, which is, by the way, lovely. I'm a big fan of Springfield, Ohio. Uh, I'm sure they'll be sending you back there next year. Uh, you know what I did this year? And I, I, had a, I had a running bet with Todd Lewis that I would be on that plane Tuesday morning out of Columbus, and he would not be on that plane Tuesday morning out of Columbus because his would go to Tuesday because of rain and all the delays that go into the Columbus site. I was on the plane. He was not. I also had a bet with uh, – That's why they paid T. Lou the big bucks. Uh, well, last year – no, that's not true because last year I had to fill in for him on Tuesday, and he, he was on the big plane going home. I'm sure he had, I'm sure he had dinner reservations that he needed to get to. He had family uh, – he had. I think it was a family vacation last year and i that that's how this all got started that there will not be a family vacation this year that i won't be filling in for you on tuesday and then i also had a, a bet with our boy steve burkowski because last bet. year he did the, he did the tv thing he got and i forget who it was yeah i believe he was in atlanta and someone who had qualified got in a car to play in the u.s open got emotional and cried on camera that's really really cool like as a reporter as an interviewer you're like oh man you'd love to see that kind of emotion 
So this year I was like, you know what? I'm going to see that kind of emotion. I'm going to do it. Didn't happen. Did happen. My man, Max. Max Moldovan? Yeah, man. Last question. What does it mean to qualify for the U.S. Open? And out came the waterworks. And it was so emotional. And I was so touched. I was so proud of him because it shows exactly what that meant to him. And I won the bet on top of everything else. Thanks, Max. Uh, it depends on what time yours aired because I also had a teary-eyed interview that I'm no, sure you did you? With, with Keith Green. Oh, my, he was sobbing. I was uh, told, Rex, that I had the interview of the day. It was with Keith Green, 29-year-old told you that. Uh, from Central Florida, uh, Lauren DeFord, our, our outstanding uh, supervising producer on Golf Central. She said the interview of the day, sound of the day. Uh, it appeared on all of uh, the Golf Central and Golf Channel social media accounts. I'm sure you saw it on TikTok, Rex, because you're big uh, on TikTok. It was on Instagram. It was on Twitter. Keith Green sobbing, absolutely sobbing uh, when I asked, what did I even ask him? I asked him, basically, why did, why did you not give up? So give I, up I, I said, on qualifying or give up on golf? Give up on golf. Because, look, he's, he's 29 years old. He had zero status. On any tour, right. he's been doing it for a long time. He essentially has made like $500 on any PJ Tour sanctioned uh, tournament. At this age, you know, you should probably go do something different. So the lead-up question, this is all, it's, this is an interview tactic. You're, you're building up to, a, to, the, to the big moment. The first question is, um, can you walk me through your background, how you got to, how you got to this point in your journey? And he, he lists it, and he says he's, you know, he's struggling, and, you, you know, you wonder if it's ever going to happen and, and things like that. And I said, what? What made you not give up the hope? And that's when he just absolutely lost it. Talk about his friends, talk about his family, talk about his belief, not just in himself, but this, his, his, his family and his friends around him. It was great. I highly encourage you to check it out. I am sure that that interview ran before yours, in which case I, I don't think it did. did not no, no. Well, the bet wasn't with you. It was with Burko. Uh, but I don't think it did because Max was in the, in the first wave in the afternoon. So I would have, we were both in Eastern time. Ah. So I, I think I got you. I mean, we'd have to look, but like I made sure, like get that, get to the, get that to them now. Hmm. Yes. I, I mean, the only, the only way to settle this is to uh, impanel uh, our producers and ask which interview is better. I, I don't even think that's it. It's not which interview is better. It's which one ran first. It's the only way to do this. Like it's not. I, I can't control the tee times. The Florida, the Florida State Golf bad. Association controls that. Nope, that's too bad. It was who can get someone to cry first. Ryan, Ryan Garrard was not going to cry. Uh, Ricky, who I interviewed first as he was in the third group, uh, certainly did not cry after falling. Ryan Stewart wasn't going to cry at mine because he's seven no. for seven. He would have only cried if he didn't qualify. Did he get in again? Brian yes. Stewart got in again? I know. I was like, oh, God, man. If he could just channel that sort of golf with like, on, a, on a weekly basis, he, he wouldn't be fighting for his tour card every year. Can you imagine if they played a major at Springfield Country Club? I mean, Brian Stewart would go down as one of the greatest players of all time. Oh, he would not, he'd certainly be number one on my power rankings. You know uh, what's weird is uh, Chris Statris, a, a producer of ours, I don't even know where he found this, but there was a uh, tornado. I don't know which category it is. You'll probably look it up being the, the weather geek that you are. There was, it was a tornado that roared across on Tuesday night. Uh, Springfield Country Club, and he sent me video of it. I mean, destroyed the place. It is awful. Oh my god! I know it was terrible. Hmm. Like, is anyone hurt? No one was hurt. No one was hurt. Yeah, I'm not saying that. Is, so, is the, is the golf course in utter ruins? So, and I will say this: to, to, When'd you follow up on this? Uh, I probably do need to follow up on. I've been a little busy the last couple of days with other things. In case you're wearing you're not... a T-shirt, how how busy can you possibly be? Because I just changed. Because I'm in my office and I had to put the, the monkey suit on to stand in front of the camera. Um, I, I will say this: business on top, party on bottom. 
That's right. I will say this to pull back the curtain a little bit. I was so happy. I'm, I'm literally singing to myself as I'm leaving the golf course on Monday at like 8.15. Couldn't have been happier. And I'm calling Todd Lewis and I'm rubbing it in and I'm done and you're going to be there on Tuesday morning and that, that must be tough for you. And I get a call. Oh, hold on. A producer's calling me. Let me call you right back. Hey, bud, where are you? My answer to him was trying to find a place I can get a beer in Springfield, Illinois. Where I mean, Springfield, Ohio. Where are you? And there was like a long pause and he goes, we're going to need you for the late show. Mm. And I hadn't even processed it that because of all the live golf. And I think that was the Phil Mickelson day yep. that we, we were going to be off the top. So my producer, our cameraman and I were standing in front of that clubhouse at 10 o'clock in pitch dark with a storm bearing down on us. The tornado, apparently. Probably that same storm. Yeah, probably the, the first vestiges of that same storm. Like, And I felt like this, this of course, is poetic. That I'm the one that was, I, I was being smug about it. I'm not making fun of Todd. I'm whistling as I leave the golf course. And, of course, this is how it's going to play out. That's why you never gloat. You never prematurely gloat. And, and, look, you and I both uh, had 16, 17-hour days. My my sectional didn't even finish on, on, on Monday. There was still a couple players out on the golf course. They could have birded the last... Uh, one of the two, one of the last two holes uh, in order to tie Fred Biondi, who's an outstanding player at Florida for that fourth and final spot. I didn't even rec- I didn't even offer to stick around for the next day. I was cleared. I did my, <laughs> I did my up. I of course forgot uh, one of the poor chaps names three times while doing my clothes, uh, which was very <laughs> embarrassing after, after a very long day, but I eventually uh, summoned, summoned the grit uh, and the courage to, to remember that name. And I pulled it off. I was cleared at eight fifty eight grabbed my bag, headed straight to the car, and drove the three and a half hours uh, back to Ponte Vedra. Didn't even offer Rex to stick around for the next day to, to see how that nope, nope, qualifies. Nope, no interest nope, we, we are done here. It's called Golf's Longest Day. It is definitely not called Golf's Longest uh, Two Days. days. Uh, Rex, <laughs> you and I will be together next week uh, at the U.S. Open at the Country Club. Hopefully you do not have another hotel snafu we probably need to get together and make sure i don't know that i have a hotel actually i was just looking at that this morning we had fire up emails again yeah i do have uh, two queen beds uh, that i would definitely not like uh, to offer you one make sure you check on that hotel arrangement folks we'll be doing it live next week u.s open preview we'll be talking about uh phil we won't be talking about tiger we didn't even talk about tiger he's not good playing uh, he's not he did, playing. however say he's gonna be playing in the jp mcmanus pro-am uh which is a, a even better field uh, than live golf as well as the open championship at St. Andrews, both of those next month, but he's trying to get his body uh, healthier and stronger than it was certainly a couple weeks ago at Southern Hill. So we'll be doing it live next week, full blown U S open preview. One of the best tournaments of the year. Can't wait to get up there. Rex and I'll be on live from doing our little thing uh, as long as they don't kick us off uh, prematurely for saying something stupid uh, about barbecue. But thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm going to go fire up some chicken wings and Rex sadly has no lunch to eat because he chickened out with that brisket. I heart mac and cheese.